Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Change in Environmental Justice podcast, a partnership between Environmental Health News and Columbia University Mailman School of Public Health. I'm your host, Brian Binkowski, Senior Editor at Environmental Health News and the editor of Agents of Change. This podcast is supported in part by Beauty Counter, a clean beauty brand on a mission to get safer products into the hands of everyone. You can learn more at beautycounter.com. On today's show, Senior Agents of Change fellow Michelle Jin speaks with Michael Zhang about his role at the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency focused on skin lightening products containing mercury. They discuss why this work matters, what a home visit would look like for a family experiencing elevated mercury levels, and why we all need to love our skin. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Michelle Chin, and I am here today with my friend and colleague, Michael Zhang. He's with Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, and he's an environmental health specialist. Today, we're going to be talking about skin lightening products, um, specifically mercury and skin lightening products. So, hi, Michael. So glad you can join us today. How are hi. you doing? Good. How are you doing, Michelle? Glad to, glad to be here. It's uh, nice to be here with you, and it's been a while. Yeah, so glad you're here. So tell me about your role at Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. Yeah, so my role at the MPCA, which is what we call uh, Minnesota Pollution Control Agency for short, uh, revolves mainly around education on mercury and consumer products. Uh, such products w- would be mercury thermostats, mercury switches, uh, jewelry, toys, and even cosmetic products. How I go about uh, what I do at the MPCA is that I usually get products or suggestions of products that could possibly contain mercury and I'll send them out to be tested. If a product comes back with any levels of concern, we'll work with businesses, shop vendors, whether it be online or in person or in-person vendors about removing the products or changing some sort of compound formula. Um, And I should probably note that I'm not enforcement and I'm on the education outreach side, so I don't send any fines or punishments to people so people shouldn't target me for those things. Um, kind of an example um, of what I've been doing a lot lately is that my, all my focus has been on skin lining products. You know, they're cosmetic products that, you know, do make your skin lighter. And of course, the main ingredient for almost every one of these products is mercury, uh, as it's been known to be very effective. Uh, I've been working with nonprofits, uh, local governments, uh, online vendors, such as like Amazon, eBay, and so forth, and local vendors to kind of educate them about the dangers of using these products, as well as getting them off the shelves. Uh, And then, of course, uh, our main focus at the MPCA is to get them properly disposed, um, such as taking them to the household's hazardous waste partners that we have. Thank you. So tell me, why is this work important to human and environmental health? Yeah, so here at the MPCA, one of our main slogan is to include human health, because usually a lot of times people think, oh, they're just worried about the environment. Um, and they think we might be tree huggers or only, but we are, but we also worry about human health as well. Uh, and a lot of times these mercury vapors, uh, which is what we do find a lot of times when people open some of these products or get them exposed to the homes, is that it gets people sick. Uh, so it gets in, it disrupts their endocrine systems, and of course gets caught in landfills. And of course, once people burn 
the landfills or whether it be in the factories or wherever it might be, it gets in the air. And of course, it ends up being falling back down to their lakes and waters and then people do eat the fishes. Uh, and then that's how they can kind of contribute to mercury and fishes as well. Uh, and then people get sick from that as well. So it's like a recycling revolving door where one thing kind of affects another. So it's not just people here in Minnesota that we're worried about, but it's people around the world. So it's a combination of things that can cause affect human health and environmental health kind of both at the same time. So tell me about the communities that are most impacted by mercury and skin lightening products. Yeah, so it's interesting that we do find a lot of the communities who are most in effect of skin lightening products uh, to be people of color. Um, what I mean by color is that there is not a distinct, to, to be honest, there is not a distinct that people want to be white, as in to be Caucasian is what I'm trying to say. They want to be seen lighter in a way that they seem to petrify as beauty. Uh, for my, an example, I am Asian, so people who want to be uh, use skin lining products, they they tend to have a darker complexion and they want to be lighter uh, to be seen as noble or someone who doesn't go out and work on the fields, uh, someone who has a high society status as well. Uh, and that rings true in other color, people of color as well. Like I work a lot with people in our Somali communities here in Minnesota. And they can tend to feel the same way where they want to be seen as fair and beautiful and not seen dark as in they work out in the fields or you know have a higher chance to get a spouse partner as well. Um, and those are kind of the communities that I've been working with. And those are the communities that are most impacted is that people of color. But I'm not going to say it's only people of color, but they're the most impacted. But we do get a lot of people who are white or Caucasians, I would say, that do use skin lining products as well. And it might not be for the exact same reasons, but they do use it, whether it be for health benefits or color distortion uh, that they might have on their skin. So it's not just people of color, but they're doing it for different varieties of ways. And same with people of color, they're using it, but they're doing it for different reasons. Uh, but a main reason that we found is beauty and the way that that want to be viewed as. That's so powerful. I mean, this is definitely a this is environmental justice and beauty justice. So tell me, why is this work important to you? Yeah, so as I stated, I am Asian. So in particular, I am Hmong uh, here in Minnesota. And one of the biggest sellers of uh, skin lining products that is found in Minnesota is from Hmong vending shops. Uh, in particular, we have a couple of flea markets that were areas of targets to have search and seizures. Uh, where thousands of these products were were found and were sold, and people did get sick from some of these places. Uh, and so it has greatly impacted my community uh, in terms of not just the products that are being sold, but in terms of like the marketability, in terms of like it's on the news and people are like, oh my goodness, look at this place, they're selling sketchy stuff. And I don't want them to view our community as a community of that sells sketchy stuff because it kind of hurts me in that way as well. Uh, but I do want to get the address that, hey, we can work with this and we can find proper ways to love our skin. Um, and of course, not just for Asians, but I care a lot about our Somali population as well, because I've got a chance to really know a lot of great people and I'm looking out for them as well. And people in our state now that I work for the state. So everyone has been one after another. So it's 
I'm trying my best to work for everyone. And this was something that uh, was new to me. So I'm not going to say I've always worked on this product or this situ situation recently. I've been working on this since college. As you know, I had an awesome opportunity, which I was in public health as my major. And we had a senior seminar and we worked with the Department of Health, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency to kind of kick off this whole skin lightning program that we have here at MDH called the Love Your Skin campaign. And so that has really brought the light to my eyes and said, hey, this is a serious situation that's happening in our state, happening in your community, which is my community, and we should do something about it because it's affecting a lot of people. And I don't want anyone to have any kind of issues or be, be if I can prevent it or if I can do some way to help businesses to kind of not be a harbor of bad stuff. I am willing to put myself out there to help anyone that I can and help be open to help everyone if I could. That's such an important role, that education piece. And Michael, like you're, you fit in that so well because so many people, like you said, don't always know about this issue um, when you first start. I mean, thinking about these communities, my own community, this is coming from a place where maybe um, in one's home country, this was a normal thing to be sold in the markets, um, and but the laws are different um, here in the U.S. and the regulation and being able to take that educational approach is such a good way to um, better gain trust in a community rather than going straight for like enforcement as you had mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, and it's true because I think a lot of times we go out and buy our products. Uh, we don't tend to think what's in it. We just want to tend to what it's for, uh, kind of like when you you know, girls go out and buy lipsticks and uh, lotions and stuff that we're not looking in the back of the ingredient going what's in this before I buy it you know we're like oh I need a red one or I need a, a dry skin one or whatever it might be and we're not so sure to look at what's inside so I don't blame people for not knowing because the message isn't out there quite as broad uh, but it's getting there and it's getting there and that's our intent yeah so I heard you talking a little bit about, um, so we're talking about mercury. You've mentioned, you also mentioned fish and mercury. And I mean, it's important to note like the difference of inorganic mercury found in skin lining products and organic mercury found in fish. Could you just elaborate a little bit more for our audience? Yeah, that's a great question. So mercury in fish uh, is usually what we would call organic mercury. So organic is usually as kind of how it's, it sounds, kind of like you get organic foods or organic bananas. It's it's untouched, it's naturally grown, and that's what organic mercury is. And so it's naturally made mercury from the environment because uh, obviously mercury is an element in our periodic table, something that happens around Mother Nature that is produced naturally. So inorganic would be the exact opposite where it's man-made or you know machine-made or however you want to call it. So it is made by not nature. So people are making in, or inorganic mercury. So that's usually a big compound that is found in uh, the skin lining products so where people are making mercury because they can make mercury because it's very easy to make it. Uh, and I did mention earlier, it is very effective in terms of, you know, whitening the skin. And so in that two compound, that, that two mixture of, hey, being cheap to make and being very effective to do makes these products to have a lot of mercury because hey why should i spend so much money on research to make your skin lighter when the product is right there and i can do it really cheaply and really quickly and make your skin lighter 
it sounds like a win-win bonus for a lot of these companies and for a lot of these folks that they're not looking at what's the pot what's mercury are in there they're looking at the results and they're like wow my skin got super light and that's how i wanted it to be and so that's been a deadly combination in terms of uh getting mercury out is that it's very cheaply made and it can be done uh, very quickly yeah the target a lot of people don't know about the health impacts that come with using um, having mercury in these products um and how it's actually really detrimental to one's health. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it also, you know, it, it's very detrimental to your uh, skin, obviously, because you're applying to your skin. So a lot of effects could be future skin cancer or you're, you know, you're obviously giving yourself uh, room to be and in, have infection because obviously your skin is a layer to block any kind of infection you would get. So if you're kind of peeling your skin back, which is what's mercury, which is used to block the melanin in your skin or melanin in your body. And then of course, another compound that is used in skin lining products is hydroquinone and different steroids. So what hydroquinone does is it's a steroid, it's a bigger steroid and what it does is it's kind of like a paint thinner. So usually kind of when you paint your house, you have like a little paint thinner to kind of remove the paint. And that's kind of what hydroquinone does on top of the mercury. So if you get like one of those compounds that have um, hydroquinone and mercury, it's a deadly combination where the mercury blocks the melanin from uh, detecting the sunlight and then hydroquinone, which kind of blocks, removes the skin. So you're moving layers of skin off your body. And of course, you can also be led to having um, different health issues, kind of like kidney disease. Uh, you can also have skin cancer and so forth, and you can have different discoloration on your body. Uh, we do see people who, once they use skin lining products, they have what would be like almost like a kind of purple look kind of their skin it's almost like like you're getting bruising as well as redness and so you can kind of tell on their face when we're going like wow something looks off there maybe it's like a skin scarring or tissue kind of kind of coming around wow yeah that's scary all um the different types of toxic chemicals in these products it definitely makes sense why they are um when found needing to go to household hazardous waste uh, so I know in your position, you do home visits um, after you've been notified when um, someone has had an elevated urine mercury level. Could you walk us, uh, walk me through what does that look like for a home visit? Like how you're notified of that? Um, what does it look like and what type of follow-up is there with our community? Yeah, and so uh, we, we work in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health uh, in the Minfeet program um, and who does all the uh, exposures and with working with communities of um, clinical communities around around our uh, local Twin Cities here and they're working around the state as well as of this point. So they are detecting people in urine so mercury organically is uh, found in the blood but inorganic is found in the urine. So usually they have kids or pregnant women they've been doing a test where they would be tested for mercury in urine. And once they have a high detection, they would contact the Department of Health and said, hey, we found, uh, we have a patient here who might have be exposed to mercury. Um, and then of course there's some follow-up questions that they would do, do you do skin lining products and so forth? And if they agree to yes, uh, Department of Health will contact us at the PCA and say, hey, uh, they would like a home visit. Uh, can you come out to, whatever the location is and kind of detect their homes for 
levels of mercury. And the reason why we do the home visit before I jump into it is that when someone opens a can of mercury um, and skin line products, they're literally exposing your house from the mercury vapors. So if you put it in your house, you're exposing the air into your home. So you're not just using it and applying it as dangerous, but you're also smelling it and breathing it. And mercury is kind of tricky because it doesn't have a smell and you can't visually see it. And so as soon as they open it, they didn't they don't know that they're exposing their home whole house to mercury vapor. So when we go out to these homes, you know, I'll go out and, you know, I'll, I'll screw go around their living room, their kitchen, uh, using the Lumix, which is a mercury uh, vapor analyzer. And I'll check every cooks and cranny of their homes if they wish me uh, and if there's some areas they don't want me to go to, uh, I won't go into those areas for privacy. Um, and I'll test any kind of products that they have on hand that they would like me to test. So I would just kind of go around the homes and look for any kind of signs of levels. Uh, and there's no home visits are ever the same that I've been a part of. Everything's been a little different. You know, we would find uh, a, a washer machine that has like high levels of mercury. Um, or we would have like one corner of the bedroom that has high levels of mercury and everything else is clean. Um, and then there's different tactics that I would use to try to help the family out, whether it be to open the windows and open all the sliding doors to kind of get air circulated to the mercury to get out of the home. Or, or the, in the case of the washer machine, get some mercury decontaminant to kind of run through the cycles and hopefully that'll pick up the mercury that are stuck inside the washer machine and go from there. But every home visit's been really different. But the washer machine has been one of my most challenging case because I didn't know what to do because at that point where I was like, if this washer machine doesn't work, I don't know how this family's going to do laundry. Uh, and they didn't have money for a, a new washer as well. And uh, that was something I had brought back to my boss and say, hey, if they don't have um, a washer machine and I can't get this to work out, do we have some sort of funding we can help this family? And, you know, can we get them a new washer if that's possible? And and so that was objects or that was an obstacle that I had to find. And luckily we didn't get to that resource, uh, resort to that situation, but we did get some money pulled aside in case that were to happen to help this family get a washer if it didn't work out. So we ended up going back a couple of times, making sure it was well before they uh, can use that washer again. And it worked out really well. For the family that uh, we were able to get rid of the mercury in, in the washer. I am so glad to know that we have individuals like yourself um, who are going um, who are working with our communities, our multi-generational homes um, that are also so very much impacted from this issue. Um, it's a lot of um, our immigrant and refugee communities where this is a common practice and that you are there and thinking about this and the equity of what does it cost if we can't have um, our washing machine and those implications and raising that um, up? So thank you, Michael. Yeah, um, and it's important too because not everyone has the funding to um, go out and buy a new washing machine. I just recently bought one myself and I have to say it, it took me an arm and a leg just to get one. So I couldn't imagine what their family would have gone through if that would have happened. But, uh, you know, we had the backing of our, my bosses and so forth. So we were able to pull out some money aside in case, which was awfully nice of the state to do as well. So but there's a big prop to uh, the people that are behind me to help support us and support these communities as well. So it's not just a one man team, but we've got the whole state to back up as well. So a, a lot of big, big thanks to them as well. 
Absolutely. So we're talking about during your home visits, um, you're going in and detecting mercury. Um, and I know it's the device is called a Lumex. Um, can you describe like what is a Lumex? What does this look like? What would it be if some this were to if you were to be coming into someone's home um, looking for mercury vapors? Yeah, and so the Lumex machine, it's it's uh so that's kind of the brand name. So it's a Mercury RA915. So that's the actual model. It's interesting because every time I carry it with me, I get looks wherever I go. Even here at the NPCA, uh, the best way to describe it um, is that it, it's a blue box. Usually I have it in like a case box, almost as if I'm like having a a messenger bag. It's actually pretty heavy. It's about 20 to 25 pounds, somewhere between there. And it looks like a Ghostbuster machine. It's not a backpack, so I don't care to carry it in my backpack like a Ghostbuster, but it's it's slung to my side and it's got a hose that comes out. So it almost looks like I'm walking around like a Ghostbuster. Uh, and that's something that people have been saying, oh yeah, you're gonna go out and do some Ghostbuster work, right? And I'm like, yep, I sure am. And so that's the best way to describe how the Lumex looks like uh, and how I'm, I look like when I'm out in public with the Zet is I look like I'm Ghostbustering out there. And whether it be when I go to the shops to bring it or whether I bring it to the agency or people's homes, I do get looks. And it does get tiring from carrying it after a while because it is about 20 to 25 pounds. And it makes a humming noise, but it doesn't emit any kind of mercury out there or anything. It just kind of sucks it in to kind of just get a reading. So there's really no dangers or no harmful fouls on trying to uh, use the products. It does make that humming noise, but it's otherwise it's strictly safe. Um, and it is a very expensive machine, so I try not to drop it because uh, it is $50,000, and so I don't want to drop that. So I always uh, have that wrapped on my shoulder, and I always carry it uh, as on the side just to, with my hands just to make sure it doesn't drop. So it is a very expensive machine, and it's very sensitive, um, and it can get to detect people who might have um, amalgams. And so if you're not sure what amalgams are, it's, it's uh, silver fillings in your teeth. And so it could detect that sensitive level as well. So it could even go uh, even small if the tiniest little faint of uh, tiniest little faint of mercury, it'll detect that as well as something. But the maximum I could get is 50,000 nanograms per cubic meter, which has been maxed out a couple of times. So usually when that happens, it's usually pretty dangerous. Wow, thank you, Michael. So I heard you earlier um, mentioning one of the key messages in the work of in the state of Minnesota is love your skin. So we've been talking about uh, the health impacts and environmental impacts um, from mercury and the skin lightening products, but that's only one approach to how do we make changes in businesses of choosing to sell such products, um, as well as changes in individuals to even want to purchase these products. Um, so could you tell me more about uh, the message, love your skin and its meaning to you? Yeah, so the message, love your skin, uh, is a big part of, uh, it's a big part of me, because obviously a, a big part of love your skin is contributed from me and my class. So it's something that I will always take away from my college experience as well as my professional experience. So it, luckily, I was able to hop right into it uh, from my college career. Love Your Skin derived from our, from what we did. We did focus groups in college to kind of conduct on message and how to approach, you know, reducing the use of mercury. And we, you know, the best, most impactful way is to stop the demand. 
And so usually when there's demands, people are going to make the product. So if there's less demand, they're not going to make the product. So we figured out, hey, you know, let's uh, let's make sure people love their skin. So the demand of wanting to use these products is lower. And so that's kind of how the love your skin campaign come about is to love your skin and to not want to look a certain way to kind of appreciate how God has made you, whether you believe in God or uh, whoever it may be, is that, you know, appreciate who you are and how you were born and kind of really, kind of really enjoy yourself instead of be so focused on trying to change yourself and make yourself miserable. Just be okay with who you are. And it means a lot to me because it was something that my class and I made one for one whole semester. I mean, it was very draining. It was a lot of hard work. We developed a lot of outreach messages, a lot of campaign, a lot of analyzing uh, focus groups on messages and so forth. And it really seemed to excel well here at the state where they were able to translate it into multiple different languages. So when I go out to these home visits, whether they are Spanish speaking, they are Somali speaking, Hmong speaking, uh, I have flyers that I can say, hey, love your skin. These are direct messages. This is how to um, dispose of the product. This is how, what kind of health issues you can you can be aware of, pass this information along. And a lot of times they've been very respect receptive of this message and are willing to pass out to their loved ones or their family members or their friends. And so the message being sent around is that, hey, you didn't know that this was a danger, but now I know. I'm going to tell everyone, and this was a great campaign and a great message from the state to adopt. And we, that was something that when we did in college, we weren't sure if the state was going to want to accept us. And the fact that they accepted our work, that made it seem like, wow, we are making an impact. And we're trying it one step at a time. We're one home or one person at a time. And we're hoping this will trickle from one person tell another and tell another. And by the time you know it, everyone knows love to love your skin. Absolutely. Having been with those people on the Minnesota Department of Health team at that time, it was very exciting to see a group of bright, excited students developing that um, the, that key message. And now it's been translated and the uh, educational handouts that you and other folks use is in eight languages. That's so exciting. Um, it is. That, it is. And I think they're hoping to get more as a uh as do we get more translators and more different languages that come into the state that we're going to be putting into different languages? <laughs> it is an exciting time and yeah that work I mean that was years ago and has continued to grow and hopefully this work and awareness will continue to be raised about um, mercury and skin lining products and multi-prong approach of let's talk about the health impacts as well as loving your skin so we can slow down that demand and slow down the supply. So, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your work today. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with those listening? Yeah, one last thing that I would love to share with everyone is that, you know, even though I'm here working for the state uh, off the Love Your Skin campaign in college, you know, I'm here for the, everyone in the state. You know, I want everyone to be safe. So I'm always out there looking for, you know, products that might contain mercury, whether it be in uh, therm uh, light bulbs, or thermometers or skin lining products that we're going to do our best to do uh, to get them off the markets, to get them properly disposed so they don't get in our air, uh, so they could go into our lakes to get into fishes that people love to eat, especially uh, in my community, the monk community, where we love to fish. 
but you know I'm out here working our best and we're going to do our best to make sure they're off the markets and make sure people are safe um, and whether it be in their homes you know we are going to do our best to make sure everyone is safe from mercury uh, in some fashion and if people are always wanting to know more they're always welcome to visit the MPCA's website or the Department of Health's website about skin lining products or even mercury in general uh, but if they're always wanting to reach out they're more than willing to reach out to me as well through my email michael.zhong at state.mn.us and I'd be willing to talk to people if they want to talk or if they want to know more information you know they're always welcome to reach out as I've got an open door for uh, anyone who wants to talk about this as well. Thank you Michael thank you again for your time it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Awesome thank you so much Michelle. That is all for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed their conversation and learned something new. I know I did. That is some scary stuff. If you enjoyed this podcast, visit agentsofchangenej.org. And while you're there, click the donate button to support us. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. And please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. This podcast was recorded and produced by Michelle Jin, edited by me with outreach scheduling and support from the rest of the team, Dr. Ami Zoda, Dr. Yoshida Ornelas Van Horn, Dr. Max Ong, Dr. Lariah Edwards, Summer Ahmad, and Maria Paula Rubiano. Our music is Now Sun by Poddington Bear. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to keep these important conversations on diversity in science and health going. Join me next time when I speak with Oganaya Dotson-Newman, a senior program officer in the environment program at the JPB Foundation. Have a great week, folks.